The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. All right, we just want to welcome you guys again to TBC and those watching at home. We're so glad you've joined us. Um, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today, so if you'd like to turn there. We're going to continue our series in 1 Corinthians. We've been working on this for a, a while now, and I've uh, got a few chapters left. <clears throat> so today, we're going to be talking about unity in diversity and the idea of spiritual gifts and what that looks like and how amazingly diverse God has created people, but also how he's created these gifts to be used in different ways uh, it's just exciting to think about. Um, now, this is going to be kind of an overview of spiritual gifts. I don't want you to get too worried that I don't cover some of these gifts in detail. This is going to be over three chapters over the next number of weeks on spiritual gifts. So you'll definitely get a, a heavy dose of this. Um, I'm just fortunate that two weeks ago, uh, Dave got the passage he did, and I got this one uh, because he's a much better theologian than I am. Uh, also, so last week, Chase, he did a great job kind of helping us understand um, what was going on back in the church of Corinth where there was division taking place and it was over a socioeconomic division where they were eating the Lord's Supper, uh, but they were coming together and really um, kind of shunning those who didn't have um, what they had and kind of eating and celebrating before the rest of the people got together. It was just a real mess of a situation over the Lord's Supper. So that dealt with uh, socioeconomic status, and today it's gonna be more about spiritual status and how there can be division when it comes to spiritual status and even spiritual gifts and what takes place there. So when we think about spiritual gifts, we can really just understand them simply by saying they're grace gifts. Spiritual gifts are gifts of grace, gifts that are given by God through the Spirit and for us to simply understand that these are things that some have uh, a gift of maybe teaching or, or serving. Some have gifts of compassion and mercy. And so there's lots of things that can go under this umbrella. But it's not to be, excuse me, not to be confused with the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, we see where that is something, those things that are talked about under the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, all those things should be evidenced in a believer's life. It should be lived out. These aren't specific things. Well, I got love, he's got joy, he's got peace, she's got, it's, it's all one thing, the fruit of the Spirit. But spiritual gifts are different. There's a distinguishing thing here where some gifts are given by the Spirit for different things and for different people, just depending on how God designed you and how he chose to gift you. And when we think about gifts, there's an interesting concept, gift giving. You think about the source of that, maybe how that comes out in different ways. I know for my wife, she, uh, one of her love languages is gift giving. She loves to give gifts. She's always buying the teacher's things. I'm like, really? I mean, how many times? I'm sorry, teachers out there, but I'm a little tight. But, uh, but it's like, I mean, it's just like the teacher sneezed and they get a box of Kleenexes. I don't know. But it's just, it's just one thing after the other. But 
It does get a little crazy when, uh, like I think we have a slide. <laughs> this week is Groundhog Day, and uh, this little statement, you just know someone Facebook mom is posting pictures of the presents her kids got for Groundhog Day. And I really like the comment, if you can't read it, uh, it this isn't to my wife, but it, that's her name. Settle down, Candace. No, one's, no one wants their kids asking why they didn't get a new video game like Braxton in their class did. So that's how I feel sometimes. Anybody buy their kids Valentine gifts? Like, for real? It's okay, raise your hand. My wife, would. she raised her hand at nine o'clock. Uh, like, I never, thought, like, experienced that at all, like, growing up. I mean, we got a little Easter basket, you know, and chowed down on that, but, I mean, think about, like, gifts, like, uh, for Valentine's Day. And I know I sound bitter because I am, and I'm a little jealous. <laughs> of my kids, although my wife hooks me up too, so she gives me you know, some Valentine's things too, but I just don't understand. I mean, that's supposed to be for people in relationships, not for my little kids who didn't do anything to deserve that, right? Uh, so most gifts though in our society, they're in recognition of achievement or accomplishment or elevated status, transition, uh, just something that you attain, not like these Valentine gifts and things like that, but most of those gifts are that way, but theologian and pastor Stephen Um uh, addresses the idea this way. He says, an achievement mentality is poisonous. It pollutes self-understanding. One thinks he deserves a better life than the one he currently has. In the midst of an achievement culture, Paul calls for a paradigm shift. He wants us to think of our identity as a gift. When we start to see our identity as a gift, then our pride gets knocked down. When we see these things as spiritual gifts that we couldn't earn and we couldn't go after on our own, then we still, we start to realize, look, these are gifts and not something I've achieved. So we also, in culture, we have this issue where oftentimes we find people similar to us and we congregate together and just become this side little uh, clique or whatever because of what we're about and maybe how we're gifted or how we're wired. But spiritual gifts, they're not meant for us to find who we are similar to and congregate there. Spiritual gifts are supposed to be used in their diversity. Because they're diverse, they should bring us together, all together, to be able to be used in different ways in the community together, building up the body of Christ. And sometimes, actually, uh, when it comes to spiritual gifts, some of you might be sitting out there and you're like, I have no idea what my spiritual gift is. And even Shannon Sword, he's, he mentioned that in the staff meeting this week. He's like, you know, I, I really didn't understand that God had gifted me in the area of teaching uh, before someone actually said it to me. So sometimes these gifts are, are, are ones that maybe sometimes others see in you. And as we come together, they can encourage you in these ways. Now, as a junior high pastor, I don't normally have to preface these illustrations this way because junior high kids know I'm a little crazy and they're a little crazy, so it works really well. But I will preface this illustration I'm about to tell you is going to be a little weird, uh, but bear with me. Have you ever had one of those uh, drool-inducing sleeps? Anybody ever have one of those? You just wake up and you're like, what just happened? 
It was amazing, but I have drool everywhere. Uh, I don't have those often. Some of you are nappers and you get really into that. I mean, you, like today you're looking forward to the afternoon where you get to take a nap. But I don't do that very often, so this is weird for me to have one of these sleeps where I just woke up and was like, why is my pillow wet? And so this is what happened. <clears throat> you know, I, I guess for the last two weeks I've had an issue uh, with a pain in my chest. It's kind of been really weird. It's just been kind of constant and really messing with me, especially considering my family history of heart issues. It started to really work over my mind. And it actually wiped me out, you know, and, and the day before this, this uh, drool-induced sleep, uh, the day before, I actually went to the ER. And so it was this past Monday morning at 5 a.m., uh, it just got to the point dealing with this pain. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And my dad had a heart attack at a young age. And so I'm thinking, all oh, the wheels are turning and the anxiety is building up, which I'm not normally anxious about things. But with this, I was. And it just started overwhelming me. I called one of our elders, Dr. Mixon, my heart doctor. And he's like, just come on in. We'll run some tests, you know. And he's probably thinking I'm kind of crazy. But I came in anyway, go to the ER. ER, five in the morning. Great time to go to the ER, though, if you have to go. Um, nobody was there. It was great. So went right in, and I have all these people doing different things, and uh, one's coming in, I pop the IV in, one's checking my blood pressure, one is pushing me down to get the scan, another one's coming in, check on me, someone's behind a desk taking uh, my information, and it's all these things working together. And as I sat there and laid there in the bed, I was thinking to myself, what a great picture of what we're about to talk about Sunday. So I'm in the ER learning lessons about what in the world I'm talking about today to you, and God is teaching me as I'm laying there to say, what if everyone wanted to be the lady that pushed me down to the scan? And all they did all day was push people around. And some of you that work in the hospital, maybe you feel that's what happens. But uh, maybe everyone wanted to do that, or everyone wanted to sit behind a desk and be on a computer and typing information in, or everyone wanted to stick people with needles. That's kind of crazy, but what if that was it? And if everybody wanted to be that person, then that ER would be a mess. And some of you are like, the ER usually is a mess, but it would be even more messy because no one would be getting anything done and no one would be, be getting better because they all want to be the same thing. And so God taught me in this weird way, tracking back to my, 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 my slobber in my sleep, uh, to really teach me this lesson to say, you know what? The beauty of the body of Christ are spiritual gifts coming together all in diverse ways to be unified to bring God glory. Now, last hour, I did a horrible thing and left everybody hanging to not tell them what the results of the tests were. So I got a bunch of texts in between services saying, you might want to, what happened? You might want to tell people if you're okay or not. I, I am okay. I think I had a muscle tear or something like that. But in the process from the scan, I actually got put on medicine, which was good preventative medicine for the future. So it all worked out great, hopefully, so far. So, uh, but that's the somewhat end of the story that I left out at nine o'clock. I'm sorry for those who were there then, but um, I am okay. But it's just such a great picture of how people come together from their spiritual gifts using all this diversity to come in to unity. So as we get into this scripture in chapter 12, it's important for us to pause and dwell on this statement. 
All pride and ego are destroyed when we have a proper understanding of how we attained our present state before God. That any spiritual gift we're blessed with, and of course salvation that we're blessed with, is all a gift. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, he puts it this way, by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not your own doing, it's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So let's look at this passage. The first three verses kind of give us an intro here. Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So here Paul is again responding to what the Corinthian people, the believers, have asked him questions and he's responding to their questions in this letter and he's helping them understand first, I understand you guys can be uninformed. A lot of them are new believers. They don't really know a lot about the background of what they're believing in. Who is this Jesus and what is the Old Testament and how in the world uh, does the, the people of Israel and their state tie in with what we're going through now and all these things? So Paul is being an informant for them. So he's helping them understand, I don't want you to be uninformed about these spiritual gifts. In verse two, we see that many are new believers and they're coming out of idol worship. This was a culture of idol worship in the city of Corinth. One of the biggest cultures of idol worship that existed back then. And so you have a lot of new believers coming out of idols. And he's trying to make the statement. He kind of gives a jab there to the idols to say they're mute. Helping them see that they don't have power. And you were led astray by these false idols who really didn't speak into your life and couldn't say anything of significance. In verse three, he says, I want you to understand, no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So here Paul lays down a broad principle for discerning spiritual gifts. He's saying, judge things by how they relate to Jesus. Does the supposed spiritual gift glorify Jesus? Does it promote the true Jesus or a false one? It's a great test for us to see whether it's our gift or someone else's being used. If it's drawing attention to themselves, then maybe it's not a spiritual gift after all, but at least it's just being used the wrong way because it all should point to Jesus. Jesus made it plain saying that when the Holy Spirit would come in John 15, 26, that he will testify of me. And then also in John 16, 14, says he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So the spirit's role is to glorify Jesus and to bring glory to God. And through these gifts by the spirit, that's the opportunity to bring glory to God. So the meat of this passage is right here in verse four to 11. We see that the spirit works in our lives in these ways to give us these gifts. And there's three aspects of gifts I think we can look at today. The diversity of our gifts, the purpose of gifts, and then the source of gifts. So we can look at verse four to six. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowered them all and everyone. You notice a key word there? You have variety. We have variety that he keeps mentioning over and over again. 
Now today marks the end of the first week of Black History Month. We celebrate black history. We believe black history is history in the U.S., but it's not just history in the U.S., but it's also biblical history. If we look into black culture and see where people have come from and we celebrate the the battles they face to be where they are and, and walk alongside them to see unity take place in our culture, And what a great picture we see of the different cultures, the different dynamics that come together in whether it's uh, in black culture, Hispanic culture, in, in our culture, whatever it is, in my culture, we see these unifying aspects through diversity. And it's a great picture in spiritual gifts that we see these various gifts that the Spirit blesses us with. He says variety three times here. We have varieties, yet the same spirit, Lord and God. It's an amazing picture of unity here through diversity. So unity found in diversity is a beautiful thing. These gifts are given to build others up, not to advance our own self-made kingdom and pursuit of recognition. Ephesians 4.16 puts it this way, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way in him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It can't be one part of the body taking its spiritual gift seriously and the other being lazy or not even pursuing it because it becomes awkward and you basically, as a body, you walk with a limp. Or you're, you're in this situation where you're like one-handed. It's just a weird thing. Or you're blind or you can't hear. So everybody here who calls himself a Christian or herself a Christian has this role to play to bring it into one body, the unifying factor. Maybe some of you heard this statement, variety is the spice of life. And some of you are like, I don't like variety. I like the same thing every time. You go to the restaurant, order the same thing. Well, you need to get some variety in your life. Maybe not with food, but with other people. Because it's the spice of life, being able to come together from all walks of life. And I would say, to take it further, variety is the mark of a healthy Christian and ultimately a healthy church. Having the variety of gifts being utilized in the body together just adds this flavor to a church that just makes it attractive, not to be attractive just to be together, but attractive to point to Jesus and be used as a body to do that. And the steel verse from uh, Dave for next week, verse 13, if you jump ahead, it's a great verse for this. It says, for in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Bring us together. Jews, Greeks, slave, free, they all come together in unity under the spirit. So we've seen the diversity of gifts. Let's look at just one verse that talks about the purpose of gifts in verse seven. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So what do you think about that statement? What does the common good mean? I was thinking about that this week and last week, just trying to figure that out. And it's just such a basic statement. I think first we can see that it's not for pride or comparison. If it's for the common good, it's not the common good for you. The understanding is it's the common good for others 
who you have uh, the opportunity to be a part of, is the idea of taking a Philippians 2 approach to life where you're considering others more important than yourself. Looking out not just for your own interests, but the interests of others. Barnabas Piper puts it this way. He says, God does not bless the hand for the hand's sake, but for the sake of the whole body. He doesn't bless your hand with the ability to do something just so you can say, good job, hand. That was great. But instead, the hand does its work and your foot does its work and your leg does its work, your eyes, and all the body comes together. The purpose is for the common good to point people to the Savior. When describing what our gifts should be used for, Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 4.10. He says, as each has received the gift, use it to what? Draw attention to yourself? To make yourself look good? No, to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So not only is there diversity of gifts and the purpose of gifts here, but we also have the source of gifts. Paul gives a list. It's not comprehensive, but it's a list of certain gifts that he gives here in verse eight through 11. But he also identifies the source. See if you can catch it there in verse eight. For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same, what? Spirit. <laughs> to another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, the work of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Sorry, I didn't give you a heads up to answer spirit, but you caught along. So it's important for us to see that this source is the spirit. Theologian Wayne Grudem puts it this way when he's talking about a definition of spiritual gifts. It's any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. Any ministry of the church. We have someone who cleans after the services. She is using her gift in the same exact way that I'm using my gift right now. And it's the same significance, the same power, the same spirit that goes into both functions. And so it's such a beautiful thing to picture and how it's all for the common good. Stephen Um, this, this commentator on 1 Corinthians, he kind of gives us a, a better understanding of these gifts, he breaks them down into three messianic categories, prophet, priest, and king. The prophetic gifts are abilities based on understanding and articulating truth. It's the ability to declare God's truth with precise clarity. These gifts include prophecy, tongues, interpretation, evangelism, teaching, and speaking while asserting Jesus' name. So here's the prophetic gifts. And then secondly, the priestly gifts, their abilities based on understanding and supplying basic needs. These include encouragement, exhortation, pastoring, serving, sharing, mercy, helping, healing, working miracles. It's important to note in that passage, some people get hung up on the gift of healing, singular, when in the passage it's actually gifts of healing. 
And so that's just a little side note here that's important for us to get that there's lots of different opportunities for healing to take place. We get obsessed sometimes with physical healing, but there's the opportunity to be able to help bring about uh, mental healing, spiritual healing, there's, there's, of course, physical healing as well, and, and I, I believe, I strongly believe that healing is still in use today. This isn't a gift that's gone by the wayside, especially in my trips to Rwanda. I've seen it in crazy ways. I'll tell you stories about someday, but it's just crazy to think about. These gifts manifest themselves in different ways, but it's important to see that these are pretty powerful. Unfortunately, we have people that call themselves pastors, call themselves faith healers, that bring attention to themselves, bring money into their organization, and really make the gift about them, which isn't a gift to begin with. So that's the first two. And then lastly, kingly gifts are abilities based on understanding direction and group needs. These include faith, the ability to see a goal clearly, an apostolic posture toward multiplication, leadership, and administration. So there's some of the kingly gifts as well. And so one thing we need to understand if you haven't gotten it yet is that all these things are empowered by one engine which is the spirit. So it's like one big old engine right in the middle of this stage and all these pipes going out to different things and the reality is the source of that power is the spirit. The source of the gift is the spirit. And the spirit is supplying the ability for you to explore that gift and to actually use it for the common good. Paul puts it this way again in Ephesians 4. He puts it this way. He says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. I love the end result of using your gifts in a way that glorify God. It brings unity, the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So as we wrap this up, I think we can ask ourselves a question, how is this lived out? How can this be lived out in our lives? Well, first of all, we don't seek out gifts and try to grab the ones that bring most of the attention, right? We don't go after certain gifts just because we know that'll get us some attention, but instead we ask the Spirit for wisdom. But also, though, we don't opt out and claim some false humility and say, oh, I don't even mess with those gifts because I don't even want to appear that way that I have a gift, you know, and nobody else does, right? And sometimes we can just opt out, and that's a mistake as well because God has given you this gift to use for his glory, and you not using it and having this false humility about it really robs the body of Christ of what he's given you. And so it's important for us to seek that and pursue these opportunities that are divinely set before us with passion to proclaim Jesus' name with the Spirit's power. Parents in this room today, you have a distinct opportunity to help point out spiritual gifts in your kids. Now remember, 
They need to be believers first. So don't go frustrating your little four-year-old and saying these things about them when they're not even believers yet. And they'll have the opportunity. It's different than character qualities, okay? There's a distinction here. But you as a parent, you do have the opportunity to speak into that, not to manipulate them, but to at least help them see maybe something they don't see in themselves. Wow, you know what? You serve really well. You're really like my daughter, Kendall, great hospitality. She's baking cookies for the Super Bowl party just last night. And so this, this gift, I'm like, boom, I see that. And so you have an opportunity as parents, maybe as leaders, maybe you get to lead students or you college kids, maybe you get to lead Bible studies in your groups, and you have the opportunity to speak into the lives of other students. Like Shannon mentioned that this week in staffing, like I said, where someone spoke into his life about it, And that's where he discovered this gift. So you have the opportunity to do that. It's a great time for us to emphasize our core values at TBC. Our core values are surrender, community, and sacrificial living. Surrender, keeping in step with the spirit. Jared Wilson says, whatever you are following will shape you. And so the idea of understanding this gift and and these spiritual gifts is you being in step with the spirit. Praying, reading God's word, listening to his voice to see where he wants you to act. In community, these gifts are designed to build robust biblical community, not to function as some lone ranger off here on your own operating in your spiritual gift, but instead being able to operate in community. When you're in community together, that's actually where your spiritual gifts come alive. And that's the way God designed it. And if you're not in community today, we'd love to partner you up with community, with a small group, so that you can see these spiritual gifts grow. And sacrificial living, these spiritual gifts are meant to manifest through spirit-inspired humility as we serve others and point them to Jesus. So I'd like to finish this sermon with a quote from a great theologian uh, named Olaf. His quote is, only an act of true love Only an act of true love will thaw a frozen heart. So there's Olaf. But it's reality, it's true. The fact that these spiritual gifts are for the common good are used as a thawing device, so to speak. For many of us here today, Jesus' act of true love has thawed our frozen hearts. For some of you here today, your cold heart towards spiritual things and a living Savior can be thawed in a miraculous way even this morning. Some of you just were brought here by somebody else and you don't know much about what, you're maybe more like the Church of Corinth than you think. Maybe new to this whole faith thing. And that the body of Christ acting out their spiritual gifts can be able to soften your heart toward the gospel. For those of us who are a part of the body of Christ, we all have the privilege to discover our gifts and allow them to be used as a warm, welcome fire in a dark, cold world. These spiritual gifts can be a warming environment to see and make this attractive thing, to see something different about your family, see something different about your small group that is attractive, and not attractive because of who you are and what you've done, but ultimately attractive to point people to the gospel, to point people to our great Father. So my challenge, my final statement for you is to go 
pursue these gifts with a wholehearted intention to contribute to the body through community with the common good of all in mind and the great love of our Savior as your driving force. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we thank you for your word. Thank you for, that your word is powerful. And even today, as we read your word and listened to your word, Lord, uh, your Holy Spirit has been speaking. Lord, for somebody in this room or maybe at home that doesn't know you, never experienced your power and really doesn't have any idea about spiritual gifts yet because they really haven't trusted you as their savior. Lord, I pray that that person in this room or at home can know that even now they can trust you. Trust your finished work on the cross for salvation and forgiveness of their sins and new life in you. Lord, for those of us who are believers who really have neglected our spiritual gifts or really haven't even pursued the idea Lord, inspire us today to really consider, to pray, to get in your word, to talk to a mentor, talk to someone who is wise in regards to this, to explore what spiritual gifts they have so that they can be used in the body. For those that don't have community, I pray that they will feel an urge to to connect in community, to see these spiritual gifts grow and be used to glorify you. Lord, bless us today as we continue to focus on this, as we sing together, as we wrap up this time. May this time be a time of commitment to pursue our spiritual gifts for the common good to glorify you. In your name we pray, amen.